Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome to Heartline Ministry. It is so nice to be back in studio. <laughs> it is. For the last number of weeks, of course, we've been doing it via Zoom, and, and though that worked pretty well, I guess, uh, it's not like being back here, right. you know, being back here what we call home. I'm Pastor Harold Noyes, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We are located in Athens, Vermont. Alongside of me is Pastor Timothy Golden. He's pastor of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire. We have been studying over the last 16 weeks um, the 31 reasons why Jesus came to earth. Now, I suspect, Tim, that there probably were more than that, but we found, or at least I found, about 31 reasons why Jesus came. The number one reason was to do and is to do the will of his Father. Everything else follows that. Everything else is applied to that number one reason to do the will of his Father. We know that some of the reasons is he came to save sinners, he came to pay the ransom, he came to, you know, uh, do all those things to die. We're going to talk about that, I think, next week. Um, He came for a specific purpose to do things. Well, today he came to call sinners to repentance. And I'm going to ask Tim to open in prayer, and then I'm going to read out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 30 through 32. And then we're going to get into definition of what repentance is, why repentance is necessary, and just talk about that and see if we can exhaust this uh, pretty well, at least uh, help us all to understand a little better what it is. So, Tim, would you open in prayer? Sure. Lord, we do thank you, uh, first and foremost, as Harold's already mentioned, for this ability to be back in the studio again, to be able to proclaim your gospel uh, through the airwaves, um, and uh, we just thank you for this blessing, this privilege, and we ask that you would inhabit this time, that you would speak to hearts, that you would have your way in our midst, that you would give Harold and I both clarity of thought and the ability to uh, ver- ver- <laughs> verbalize <laughs> very well what it is, Lord, that you want to say to us today. And uh, we just give you honor and praise in your holy name. Amen. So it's verbalized, not virtualized. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're done with the virtualizing, hopefully, for uh, a hopefully while. Hopefully, <laughs> for a while, we're done with that. You know, Tim, maybe before I read these scriptures, we need to um, share it with those who are watching what repentance is and what repentance is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my view, at least, repentance is not simply, you know, doing something and saying I'm sorry for it. Mm-hmm. Because I know that at least in my own life, a lot of times when I say something I'm sorry, I don't tend to stop what I'm doing. Mm. It's only, uh-oh, I got caught, so therefore yep. I need to say I'm sorry for it. Mm-hmm. That is not repentance. That's not no. biblical repentance. What is biblical repentance? 
Well, I mean, first of all, you need confession as a part of it, but you're right, it, it is not repentance. Um, it's a term that we're very familiar with. We, we use it, we throw it around. In fact, I, you see it in church circles all the time and even being communicated, I don't think properly because it's almost uh, communicated a term of just say you're sorry, just confess your sins before the Lord. And that's the starting point, but it goes deeper than that because the word repentance actually carries with it this concept of I was heading one specific direction and what I chose to do is stop dead in my tracks and I chose to turn a full 180 degrees the other direction and then began moving in that direction. So it's not um, just confession, that's the stopping. And, and I even hear, hear churches a lot of times, I think, just communicate to the point of just confess and then turn from your ways, right? That, that passage from the Old Testament where it yeah. talks about, um, you if know, my if my people, people will uh, call by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. That is a part of it. But repentance to, to have its full work requires um, now with the same determination that I was heading the, this direction, I use that same determination to head now the other direction. So, for us as believers uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ had, had a, a message. Mm -hmm. And his message was to repent. John the Baptist had a message. The same one of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was to repent and be baptized. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, to be baptized, so often we look at just the physical baptism, going into the water, being laid into the water, and things. But baptism really is much more than that. Mm -hmm. Baptism is more than the act of stepping into water and having the water, you know, come over you, you know, to represent the cleansing power of Christ's blood and, and things of that nature. Baptism is actually to become immersed in Christ mm -hmm. and to be fully immersed in Him. Mm -hmm. And we use the water as a picture or as an example of yeah. that immersion that has taken place in the person's life. Isn't that more as to what baptism would be? It is, because it's where you don't just uh, see being used with water alone. It's also being referred to with the Holy Spirit. And so it's this concept, as you said, if you think about when you're being baptized and you are being taken under, you are, in a sense, um, immersed uh, on all sides yep. by this. Cause, I don't know about you, but when you go under, those feet tend to want to come up, yeah. you know? Oh, and know. and uh, so you are, in a sense, fully surrounded by the water. And, and when you're talking about being baptized into Christ, it's being fully surrounded by him. Or later on in the, uh, throughout the book of Acts, when we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's being fully submersed in, in him as well, you know? And so it's this concept of almost getting yourself lost in the presence of. Yes, right. Yeah, and that's, and that's beautiful. So, so Jesus' message and John the Baptist's message had to deal with, with repentance. Why? Well, remember how the world was when Jesus entered into the world. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they had 400 years of silence from God. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, it's like when I was a kid, when I knew my parents were away, then, you know... I said, okay, I got free reign. I can do what I want to do. However, mm -hmm. then when I knew my parents were coming home, that made a difference. And it's the same thing with God. I think when, when God was, was silent for those 400 years, you know, the, the world truly didn't have 
you know, his presence there or didn't have at least the, the security of knowing that, that God was right here working in them. So mm -hmm. what was going to happen to the world? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, pardon my French, but it was going to go to the hell of a handbasket mm -hmm. because that is exactly what happened. <laughs> well, we've even seen that in our own world, even just since Christ has left the earth. Um, now, he sent his Holy Spirit, which was um, after the same kind as him. And so the Holy Spirit is actually present with us and is able to be wherever we are in the here and the now. But since the physical, tangible presence of Christ left the earth, haven't we kind of seen that same downward slide? Now you take that back to the Old Testament where you didn't so much have the Holy Spirit with them, the Holy Spirit came upon people. Right. You know, and so now um, to not even have what we have today, have it to a much lesser degree, you know it had to have yeah. gone south real quick. Yeah, so I mean it had really gone south and then Jesus comes in and he says to the people, repent, mm -hmm. repent. We're going to turn now to Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And I have a number of other scripture verses, but to start with this one. Now, certainly as we look at the scribes and the Pharisees, we look at them as they were the religious leaders of the day. Mm -hmm. They were the ones who would say to the people, do as I say and not as I do, mm -hmm. which is totally wrong in my view. You know, it's, mm -hmm. wait a minute. Do as I say, but I got to do as I say too, mm -hmm. you know. And we're seeing a whole lot of problems with that today in our world, in our society, whether it be in the churches or whether it be in politics, whether it be just in the world, you know. And and so Jesus is now confronting them. He's confronting these religious leaders. So in mm -hmm. verse thirty, but their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, "Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners?" Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So what was Jesus, what was the full argument? Um, what were they murmuring about? For example, the scribes and Pharisees. I mean, they were murmuring, they were complaining, they were, they were talking under their you know, breath, and, you know, you could just see the facial expressions or whatever, you know, what was going on in their heart and mind when Jesus was there? Well, first of all, the whole thing is around the calling of Matthew, or Levi, yeah. uh, as some translations refer to him. Um, you've got Jesus coming and calling him to follow him. And that, nothing wrong with that, right? Thing is, is where was Levi? Mm -hmm. He was actually sitting in the tax collector's booth. He was actually discharging this act that was considered downright criminal because Matthew was a Jew. And as a Jew, he was siding with the Romans mm -hmm. um, to be the tax collector for Rome. And the way that it worked was you were required as a tax collector to give so much money or, or to collect so much from the people you were not required to only collect that much. You had to collect at least that much. So what would often happen with these tax collectors is they'd inflate the figures, and then they would give unto Caesar what was Caesar's, yeah. and they would keep all the rest for themselves. So they were considered evil on two points. Number one, they were Jews who had sided with the Romans, with their oppressors. Secondly, they were just downright selfish people who were trying to make better for themselves off the backs of hardworking individuals. And 
So he was in the, in the task of actually doing this act mm -hmm. when Jesus comes to him and says, hey, Levi, come be one of my disciples. Well, these are Pharisees that are looking on. These are people that were, quote, religious leaders. They had been well taught in the law. Mm -hmm. They knew what was right, what was wrong. And they measured people's um, righteousness, if you will, by how well they performed those rights and wrongs. And now here Jesus comes up to somebody who not only has a history, but is actually currently involved in what they consider some of the most um, unrighteous acts known to their people. And then he looks at him and has the audacity to say, hey, you, follow me, become one of my disciples. And in so doing, it almost carries with it this concept of, though Jesus wasn't doing this, but in their minds it was, you're approving of what he's doing and you're telling him to come and be one of yours because that's who you called. You called people that you saw as having some sort of value that equated to yours. And what Jesus, of course, did is he was able to look beyond the actions and he saw the heart of the individual because we see here that he, Matthew was willing to just abandon everything. He abandoned his whole way of life right. and chose to follow after the ways of Christ. But the way they were looking at it, the Pharisees were, was, uh, here, here's a man who claims to be religious and claims to be righteous and look at the kind of people that he's not only hanging out with, he's actually calling to become one with him. And so this is why there was so much uh, dissension so around this. It would be, you know, if, if we go through scripture, we find that these scribes and these Pharisees being the religious elite, mm -hmm. so they thought at yep. least, um, so they, you know, they would, they would, they were terrific or horrendous in their discrimination. Mm -hmm. They were horrendous in their bigotry mm -hmm. that, you know, that they were saying, why is it you people call yourself religious, but you're eating with publicans and sinners? Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, those two don't go, go, go together. You're supposed to be like us. We're supposed to be set apart and we are higher than them. We are greater than them. We are better than them. And therefore, we have no association with them. So what is this Jesus doing associating with Matthew, mm -hmm. who basically really was a, was a robber, mm -hmm. maybe even an embezzler, you know, in all this. So, I mean, you look at, you look at Matthew's life and you say, wait a minute, the two don't jive. Mm -hmm. And that's what they were murmuring about, yep. is, is they, they, they could not get in their mind that something tremendous was going to happen to Matthew. Mm. You know, they would, you know, and that's just so wonderful that something, you know, tremendous happened. There's another tax collector, I think his name is Simon. Mm. Remember that that even after even in Matthew's house, he goes and he gives back like three times what he mm -hmm. stole from the people. Yeah. Why? Was it because he was told he had to? Was it because he was following some law or no, but he believed that the Spirit of God was so touching his heart mm. that his form of repentance, if you will, was, I'm going to pay back double or triple mm -hmm. what I had stolen from those people. Yeah. You know, why? Because there was, there was this transformation that had taken place. Mm. And isn't that really what repentance is? Yeah. The repentance is the realization of the mm -hmm. transformation yeah that is taking place in a person's heart, in a person's mm -hmm. life. Well, Zacchaeus, we see that, right? Yeah, well, Zacchaeus right. is another. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so, 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 I mean, and you look at that, if you read scripture, 
you know, especially in the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament, if you read Scripture for what Scripture is saying, you see that tremendous transformation. Paul, mm -hmm. I mean, was there anybody who had a greater transformation mm -hmm. than the great Apostle Paul? He was, he was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He was worse than these guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was the elite of the elite. And then what happened? Christ came into his life, and he did a wonderful 180, mm -hmm. where all of a sudden, instead of trying to kill the church and destroy the church, he now was building the church. Yeah. Well, a big thing that you see as far as the difference here is, and Jesus, I think, is kind of being a little tongue-in-cheek by the time we get down to the end, and I'm sure we're going to get there eventually, but... Um, Usually, probably within the last two minutes, but that's usually <laughs> yeah. when we get there. But um, but what I see is a huge difference um, between the way the way Pharisees think and the way God thinks, and or should I say, the way that humans think versus the way that God thinks, because what you see with the Pharisees is what they were they were looking at this situation and they were seeing all the evil that he did and they knew the righteous acts that were required uh, based on the law, and so. The adage I've heard, and I think I've probably shared it here before, but um, they looked at um, raising animals a lot like we do over here, right? You build a fenced-in area, yep. and you put them in the fence. And if they're nice animals and good animals, they'll stay in the fence. The bad ones escape, right? They mm -hmm. get to the outskirts. And this is the way that they tended to view who was good in the kingdom and who was not good in the kingdom. Here's the fence. Here's the law that, that Moses laid out for us, that God gave on Mount Sinai, and this, is, and this thing is where we need to stay. And if we stay in there, we are good, righteous Pharisees. But those that live on plans that don't match up with this, they're outside the fence. They are the bad flock, right? Mm -hmm. And so there became this us and them mentality, the inside and the outside. But the way that Jesus looked at it was much more like this, because... When you raised um, livestock out there in, in that culture, you didn't have fences. They grazed. And, and so what you would do is you would build a well in the center of that area and because you knew that the animals would not stray far from the well. Yep. And so this is the way that Jesus looked at um, the way that people were. What he did is he saw people like Matthew, and even though Matthew may have been way over here and the well's way over here, Matthew in his heart was approaching the well. He, he was seeking after the things. The woman at the well, no pun intended, yeah. similar thing, right? And uh, But now you've got the Pharisees who are doing all the righteous acts, henceforth putting them closer to the well, but which direction were they traveling? They were traveling away from. Matthew may be out here, but he's traveling towards. Mm -hmm. And so there's this aspect of two different ways of looking at the person that was a sinner or the person that was choosing to turn to repentance. Are you looking at it as an us and them, or are you looking at it in relation to the well? Yeah. And that well being his righteousness. So the picture then, if we look at verse 30 through 32, the picture is the scribes and the Pharisees did not see themselves as sinners. No. And that is why I think that Jesus is very specific in verse 32 to say, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mm -hmm. Why? Because repentance comes when you see yourself for who you really are. Or you see your action for what it really mm -hmm. is. And you don't like it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you don't want to be there. You, you come to, to this realization, wait a minute, this is all wrong. Yep. I don't want to be there anymore. So Jesus is making that, uh, that statement of, wait a minute, if you have trouble seeing yourself as a sinner and you call yourself a righteous person, then, you know, nothing I can do to help you. Mm -hmm. But I can help you when you see yourself for who you really are. Mm -hmm. When you see yourself as a sinner, when you see yourself as someone who has gone against God, against, and, and what is sin? Anything that goes contrary to God. Yep. And that is anything. You know, it can be a big sin like murder or rape or something, or it can be a little sin like stealing a candy bar or a piece mm -hmm. of gum or whatever. You know, it can sin is sin to mm -hmm. God. So when you see that that is wrong and you recognize it, then God says, okay, now you're in a place where I can draw you to myself. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you fail to see that, like these scribes and Pharisees, that's why I think Jesus gives us that picture about, you know, they that are whole need not a physician. Well, you think you're doing good. You think you're okay. You think you're in the place you need to be. And you don't see your need. Mm -hmm. I came to Jesus Christ one day back in August of 69 because I saw that I had a need. Mm -hmm. And that need was him. Yeah. That need was to be cleansed. And, you know, but I sat in the church for two years before that not seeing I had a need. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like the Pharisees and the scribes. I was seeing other kids in the in the church that I thought they had that need, mm -hmm. but I didn't see myself. Yeah. But on that day that Christ came in and really touched my heart and said, Harold, he's talking to you. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, this is your need. Yeah. Then, you know, then that's when God was able to do the work. That's it. And his cleansing is complete and it's whole. But yet there's the almost a paradoxical effect, if you will, because even though his cleansing makes us whole in that moment, um, we know we're constantly every day as uh, stepping more and more into that level of righteousness because we know as scripture says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. So the first understanding is understanding that that's the best that we're going to bring is a bunch of filthy rags. Mm -hmm. No matter what point of our life we're in, whether it is when we first make that confession of faith or whether we've walked with him for 50, 60, 70 years and end up dying, we still carry the, that some aspect of that um, filthy rags with us because we can never fully totally attain what God wants us to become until we are, until we are with him. But yet, and we see that even in the words of, of Paul, right? You look at the, his writings, seems like the longer that he walked with God, the more aware he became of his shortfalls. Mm -hmm. You know, to being, you know, I, Paul, the greatest of the apostles, to I, Paul, who is the chief of sinners, um, in one of his latter letters. And so there's this aspect where um, there seemed to be a great, greater revelation in his own mind of how far short he falls of God. Although he has been cleansed of his sin yep. through the blood of Jesus Christ, but knowing that condition, God doesn't hold it against him. But as God's holiness takes up residence in us more and more, we begin to see all the things. I, I find that things that I didn't give two cents to 10 years ago uh, as being bothersome to, to God today bother me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, as I've drawn closer and closer to him and deeper and 
with him. I'm beginning to see, I see more and more, wow, even this. Yeah. And 10 years from now, it could be, oh, wow, and even this, yeah. you know, if God tarries that long. Yeah. You know, you know, one of the neat things, and, and I wasn't planning on going here, but I, I think we really need to, is, so you have in verse 32, but sinners in, in mm-hmm. uh, to repentance, and then verse 33, they compare the disciples with the Pharisees, when it says, and they said unto him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees? But thine eat and drink. And I love his answer in verse 34. And to me, this is the key of what you were just talking about. And the key is this. Can you make the children of the bride chamber or the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? Mm. So what is he saying? Isn't he saying, look, here we are. We're in this celebration now. We're in this relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you are now a part of my wedding party. And in that is a relationship. People, you know, when I do weddings, you know, I ask you know, for the best, best man and the, and the ushers and the maid of honor and all those. And you notice that their family members or, or their best friends or the people that you want to stay close to. And that's what Jesus is saying. When you come to repentance in verse 32, what does that do? that brings you into that close relationship with the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about that. The longer that we are, the longer we are here on earth, um, in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, living as God would have us, mm-hmm. the, more, the more intimate we're going to become with Him, which means it's going to show us more and more things where we need to do that 180, mm-hmm. you know, or to stop doing things. And you know something? It doesn't always have to be something that we consider bad that we mm-hmm. have to stop doing. Because I think that you have the sin of commission as well as the sin of omission. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's something that God wants you to do that you have not been doing. Mm-hmm. And you need to repent of that and do a 180 and start doing it. Whether it be mm-hmm. um, having a regular prayer time, regular devotional time, whether it be tithing, whether it be whatever those things are that you're not doing right now, there has to be repentance to be able to go and start doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not that, in, you know, it's not that we're saying that the, as you walk with God from that point on that he's there with a whip and every time you mess right. up, you feel this incredible weight of, you know, your, the, the burden of your sin and that kind of thing. And Jesus has a way of coming alongside us, gently putting his arm around our shoulder and saying, you know what? This is not becoming of you. You know, this doesn't, this doesn't fit with what I've created you to be now. So let's walk this together. I mean, that's his first ultimate call. Now, the problem is lots of times we don't listen to that. Right. And so then he has to start doing some things a little more stern because he sees us going down and heading towards the edge of a cliff. And you know what? If, if you're five miles out from that cliff, you can take time to gently come alongside, pat him outside. Say, now, five miles up the road, we've got an issue. Yeah. You know, let, let's begin thinking about how we can fix this. But if you're five inches from that cliff, and you've got a friend that's five inches from that cliff, are you going to try to reason with them? No. You're going to do what's necessary to keep them from going over that cliff, even if it means knocking them to the ground mm-hmm. <laughs> so they don't go over the cliff, you know. And, and so sometimes, you know, we end up getting that two-by-four upside of the head because... Yep. We have gotten to the edge of a cliff, and it's really an act of his love that's keeping us from going there. But his ultimate desire is 
to bring us to this place of repentance is this constant wooing away from mm. uh, to the things that he desires. You know, I made a statement and I asked a question at the beginning of the program. Do you know that repentance leads to life? And, mm -hmm. and if we go further on into this Luke 5 picture, he even talks to us about that in verses 36 and down through because he talks about, wait a minute, you don't put brand new clothes on a dirty, filthy, you know, ragamuffin, so to speak, right? You, you, you don't, you know, like our kids. If our kids have been outside, they've been playing, they've been playing in the mud and all this other stuff. What do you do before you put on their new clothes? You go and give them a bath. You go and give them a shower. You go and clean them up. Well, that is exactly what he does for us upon repentance. Mm -hmm. Repentance. And then he goes and says, look, I now will put on new garments. I will put on new clothes. No man puts a piece of new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new makes a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agrees with that of the old. No man puts old wine into uh, new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles still perish. So what he's talking about is, okay, upon repentance, you really want to know what life is? The first thing that you need to do is have a season or a time of repentance. Mm -hmm. Of coming to the recognition, that is the confession, if I confess in my, you know, confess with, um, what is it? First John 1 9. If I confess, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You know, or no, of uh, 1 9. Um, if you confess with your, your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive oh, you of your sins. Okay, yeah. All right. So, confession. Confession means I agree with God. All right. I'm not, you know, when I confess my sin to him, I'm not saying, oh, by the way, did you see that? Maybe you missed that sin. So I'm just confessing it to you. No, God doesn't miss anything. Mm -hmm. What it is, is, Lord, I agree with you. That was wrong. Mm -hmm. that, I should not have done that. So that's what confession is. Mm -hmm. That would be like saying, I'm sorry. But now you have to take the other step. I'm not only sorry, but I'm going to abandon mm -hmm. that which I was doing. Yeah. And that's what needs to be done. It's There's a, a lot, lot of people saying, I'm sorry to God, mm -hmm. but they're not willing to abandon Mm -hmm. that old life or that old way or that old thing that is keeping them from God. Right, because like an old garment, you know, it has been washed, it's been dried, it has shrunk to the point that it's going to shrink, right? It no longer gives. Same thing with the, with the wineskin. The old wineskin becomes brittle, you know. It, it doesn't have that ability to give anymore. Put new wine into it, what happens? The wine ferments, it expands that thing, and because of the uh, old wineskin's rigidity, it will break. Same thing with the old garment, right? You, you put new garment on the old, that new garment, you start washing it, and that's gonna to begin to shrink. What's that gonna to do to the old garment? That old garment's not able to shrink anymore, so it's actually gonna tear and make it worse than it was before. And so you've got this aspect that when we come, when we first make that confession of faith and repentance, like you said, we've been walking a totally one direction, but we begin to realize, whoa, this is displeasing to God. And we, be, we allow our hearts to become pliable. We allow our hearts to become flexible, saying, God, I want what you want. Mm. You know, I want to love the things that you love. I want to hate the things that I've been going towards that have been really against you. Help transform me. And so we're, we're saying, God, I give you permission to come in. I'm letting you transform the way that things are. I'm willing to let my life 
totally transform and breathe and move. What happens with, with the Pharisees here is they become very rigid. We've got this figured out. This is the way it's going to go, and this is, the, this is what righteousness really looks like. And if anything ventures from that, oh, we can't be wrong. It's got to be this one over here that's wrong. And there's that rigidity. And, and, and so you've got this inability to really um, give. And because of their own thoughts of how righteous they were, they became immovable unable to step into that level of repentance until they got to a point where as you said before where we're willing to say i am really unrighteous mm -hmm. you know even in my best attempts i don't I, i'm not there you know and that's where paul was at wasn't he even though he was the pharisee of pharisees studied under the best greatest pharisee of the day what happened when he came to that level of salvation in jesus christ he took three years off yeah from ministry to do what? To be in the presence of the disciples so that um, he could be learned, you know, and trained in the ways of Christ. And um, that's being incredibly pliable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, you know, when, when in Galatians where it talks about Paul going into the, the desert of Arabia, he was alone. Mm. But he was alone with Jesus. I mean, to me, wow, you know, what a, what a remarkable thing mm. that that is for him. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some men would call slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach or come to repentance. So what is God's desire? Why is it Jesus came? He came to teach repentance. Why? Because the Father desired that all should reach or come to repentance. Mm -hmm. That's everybody. Yep. You know, we're, I, we're not talking to anybody here in a listening and viewing audience that doesn't need repentance. Mm -hmm. And God's heart, God's desire, is that all would come and reach that point of repentance, mm -hmm. of turning around, of abandoning mm -hmm. those things that are not godly. And putting on those things that are. You know, there was a word that you used just a moment ago that I, I can dare say that 40 years ago in my life, I probably heard that term the first time and it bristled me. And it was, give God permission. Mm. And it bristled me to the point, maybe I was like one of these Pharisees. What do you mean, me give God permission? You know, um, I, I'm nobody. I can't give God permission to do anything. But I tell you what, Unless I give God permission, he won't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, why? Because I have a will. Mm -hmm. And I never saw that 40 years ago. Mm. You know, here I am, I'm a Bible school graduate and all this other stuff, and I never heard that term before, and that really bristled me. Mm. Who am I? Who are you to say that I need to give God permission? He owns everything. Mm -hmm. Well, then I come to the conclusion as I grew and grew closer to him, where he said to me, Harold, I need your permission because mm -hmm. I'm not going to do anything without you saying, mm -hmm. I want that. And this is where, you know, and, and that's exactly what this whole verse talks about. Um, but I think also is where we've got to pinpoint um, some things, some lies that are directly being spoken in our world today uh, that I've heard um, from people both in the church and outside the church. I know you've heard it, you know, even in the funeral homes where, sure. where you've been from people that are supposedly spiritual leaders. Um, and there's this aspect that God, God's not going to let anybody go to hell. 
God's not going to send anybody to hell. And, you know, all, you know he's, everybody's going to go to heaven is ultimately right. what they're saying. But the thing is, and, and they're partially true. What they're saying is partially right. It's perverted truth. Perverted truth is lies, by the way. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but the perversion, or, or the truth part is this. Right, God is not going to send anybody to hell. But the perversion in it is this. You will send yourself there. Right, exactly. You know, you're not going to automatically just go to heaven. This makes it clear. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Whose job is it then to repent? It's not God's to make me repent. It's for me to choose to repent. Right. Right. And, and to choose to turn to him. And if I refuse to turn, doesn't matter what provisions he's given. I have forfeited them for the sake of this. So it's not a matter of him not giving it. It's not for him a matter of him not making the way. It's I chose not to grab hold of it. It's kind of like as we've talked about before. If I were to sit here and say, hey, Harold, I got this, I got this great fishing pole for you right yeah. here. Because I know you like to fish. I like to um, fish, yeah. And... Uh, like, oh, wow, that's beautiful, but you never reach out and grab it. You're going to get reap the benefits of it? No. Nope. Absolutely not. You know? You, you know, so the neat thing about it, in, in reality, of what you were just saying, Tim, is this. God has laid the roadmap. Mm -hmm. You know, let's take this bench right here, this table right here. God has laid out the roadmap. This is the roadmap. Mm -hmm. And he says, either you follow my roadmap, and you make the decisions where you want to go. Do you do you sense that you need to repent of something? Well, if you do, you better do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you know, follow the roadmap. That's exactly what God has given us these sixty-six books for mm -hmm. to give us the roadmap so that we can do. Now, I and I don't remember what translation I took this from. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. I like the King James. You know, and I, I raised the King James, brought up the King James, so I like the King, and I like the word, God is not slack concerning his promises. Mm. You know, he's not lax. He's not looking at it and saying, well, I'll let that one pass. Well, you know, um, that's not so big a deal. So that, no, what does God say? Mm -hmm. You know, to God, sin is sin, and therefore we need to repent of it. We need to turn mm -hmm. from it. We need to abandon that area and go the other way. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to do. And that is how we learn or we come to the act of finding life. Mm -hmm. Because you know what Paul writes to us in the book of Romans? What are we all? Mm -hmm. We're all dead. We're all dead to sin. Yep. We're all dead in our relationship with God until that repentance comes and God draws us to himself, draws us to that repentance and turns us around and mm -hmm. says, now go that way. Yep. You know, that, that is where life is. I tell you what, you know, my first 19 years, I got saved at the age of 19. My first 19 years, you know, I had fun, I enjoyed things, I did this, but you know, I was deader than dead. But then when I came to know Christ as my Savior, for the last, how many years? I'm 70 years old now, so how many years is that? It'd be 50 years, mm -hmm. 50, almost 51 years, you know, I have really grown to understand life, mm. you know, from opposed to 19 to now. I now understand life. Mm. And to have life, as Paul says, to have it to its full. Yeah. And that's what God wants. But he can't do it as long as we have that barrier mm -hmm. that is between me and God that is still up there. Yeah. What he wants to do is tear down that barrier. And how does he do it? He mm -hmm. does it through repentance. Yeah. 
And as you said, he is not slack in holding to promises. And what he says he will do, he will do. And, you know, and I know there's some people that will be like, well, you know what, that, that's nice, but, you know, maybe God can make an exception here for me, you know, and, and love me anyway, you know, and still just receive me into his kingdom. Maybe he'll just, I can get him to bend on just this one. Mm. Let me tell you this, you don't want him to bend. And I know that might, some people might want to argue with me on that, but you don't want him to bend on this. You don't want him to bend on any of them because the minute he bends on any one of these, what we have now done is we've totally disqualified the entire word of God. We might as well throw it in the trash. Yeah. Because if you can't hold him true to all of his word, you can't hold him true to any of his word. Exactly. And so the minute you start saying, God, if you'll just compromise here, that's exactly what the devil wants you to begin to believe. Mm. Is that maybe you can get God to compromise here because he knows that the minute that you, you if you can get to that level of belief, well, then how can you believe that God's going to hold true to this one? How can you know he's going to hold true to this promise over here? You know, how do you know he's going to meet all you need according to his riches that are in glory? You know, right. he bailed on this one. How is he going to come through on that? How, how, how do you know that he'll never leave you or forsake yeah. you? Because you know? God will lose his character mm -hmm. to who he is if he does that. That's right. You know, and, and therefore... You know, and it's like it's like any of us. You know, if we see someone who who says this, the, these are the rules, and we're having it today in our political system. These are the rules, but I don't have to adhere to those rules. So now, what is our attitude towards those politicians, mm -hmm. or to those law enforcement officers, or whatever? Wait a minute, you didn't abide mm -hmm. to these, so therefore, you know, you've lost my respect. You lost the honor that is do you mm -hmm. because of who you are because you did not do it and that's the same way it would be with god mm -hmm. if he if he bent on any of these things as well that's okay you know that was cute so that's okay mm. no you know we see a lot of parents doing that right mm -hmm. the kids are doing all kinds of things they're spitting at other people or whatever well that was cute wasn't it no that wasn't he deserves a Mm -hmm. Pat on the rump. That's what he deserves. Yeah, because if he's seventeen and he does that, yeah, so he's <laughs> him out. But anyway, so so that you know, that that's where it is. God, God cannot change. The thirteenth chapter of of Hebrews. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. He will not change that's for right. anybody. That's right. Or for anything. He will not change. Mm -hmm. And that's who he is. I'm going to turn back to the book of Micah, Tim, because to me, this, this is the way that man generally thinks. Man generally thinks, well, I can buy my way out of this trial, mm -hmm. this trial, this tribulation. You know, and, and God will wipe the slate clean because I paid him off or whatever. Listen to what he says. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee? but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Mm -hmm. So what is God asking? Mm -hmm. God is asking us, 
just simply asking us, saying, look, will you see yourself for who you are, and will you see me for who I am, mm -hmm. and turn to follow me? Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Yep. And will you love others? Because mercy deals with what I show to somebody else, right? Yeah. So to act justly, there's the righteousness part. Am I willing to put my own actions on trial? Am I willing to love mercy? So in other words, am I, not, am I willing to hold the torch to myself, but hold out the hand of grace to somebody else, the hand of mercy to somebody else, versus the other way around, which is what we often do. Yeah. We have mercy for our own stuff. Well, this isn't so bad. God will, God will forgive me for this. But when somebody else does the same thing, what do we do? We act harshly. Mm -hmm. So act justly with yourself. Love mercy towards others and walk humbly before God. The, the thing that sums it all up is how are you walking before God, before yeah. your Father, day in and day out? That will determine your ability to live out those other things. Now, I love what Paul says. What Paul says to you and me, we are not to receive God's grace in vain. Mm -hmm. And what is he saying? Oh, God has given me grace, but I don't have to show grace to Tim? Mm. Uh-uh. Right. If I have received grace, then I want to give grace. It's for those who have not received grace or recognize God's grace where they have a hard time giving out grace. Mm -hmm. Well, that wonderful parable Christ taught, right, about um, the one who, to whom, you know, the servant that was shown incredible mercy for yeah. the for the pittance that, or, or for the uh, vast amount that he owed. But then his fellow servant only owed him a pittance, but he wasn't willing to forgive him what happened yeah. to the other guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. the master came back and um, was not quite so pleased. So, um, Yeah, so, so I mean, that's, and, and all of this has to do with repentance. All of it mm -hmm. has to do with seeing myself for who I am, recognizing and agreeing with God with who I am and saying, God, I don't like what I see. Right. I don't want to be there anymore. I want to do an about face mm -hmm. from who Harold Noyes was, and I want to become the Harold Noyes that you want him to be. That is the key. One of the things that I've been, you know, and, and like I say, I've been a Christian now for 50 years or so, and I'm getting closer and closer to the fact of, Lord, I want to see as you see. I want to speak as you speak. Mm. I want to be concerned with the things you are concerned about. Mm -hmm. That's all I want my life to be. Mm -hmm. You know, no longer concerned about what Harold Noyce is concerned about or uh, just to speak my mind and let it all off my chest. No, I want, I want to do it the way you would do it, mm. how you want it done. That's where repentance is, mm -hmm. I believe. Gee, almost sounds like Paul when he said, I'm yeah. crucified with Christ, yet no longer I that live, but Christ that lives yeah. in me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Mm -hmm. And what a remarkable, Galatians 2.20, what a remarkable portion of Scripture that is. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul is saying, I'm going to die to self so that Christ can live in me. Mm -hmm. Repentance is that area where that happens. Yep. Without repentance, that cannot happen. That's right. You know, it just can't. I'm looking at Acts chapter 11, verse 18, and it says this, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Mm. Now, so many people today, especially, I, I imagine there may have been even some that as soon as they heard the topic of repentance, I don't want to hear that. Mm. Well, wait a minute. So many people equate repentance to death. Mm. 
I have to give up something. I'm going to die if I have to give that up. You know, no, repentance unto life. Mm-hmm. You know, I did not know what life was till I came to know Jesus Christ That's as right. my Savior. You know, I was dead. I was dead in my sins. I was dead in my, my trespasses. I was dead. Mm-hmm. But then when, I, when the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, and moved my heart to say, Harold, you got to do a 180. You got to, this, this is a transformation I want to do in your life. Mm-hmm. If you'll let me do it, I will give you life. Mm-hmm. You know, so, many, so often we read in the scripture the wonderful term that we can have everlasting life or that we can have eternal life. And so mm-hmm. many people equate that with when I die and go to heaven. No. When God gave me eternal life, when God gave me everlasting life, he gave it to me the moment I trusted Christ as Savior. The moment that I repented and asked Jesus to come into my life and change me, that's when he gave me life. Mm -hmm. I was dead before that. And therefore, in this verse 18, now this is a confusing thing because the Jews kept on saying, oh, the Gentiles can't become Christians. The Gentiles can't get saved. Wait a minute. In verse 18, it says, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Mm-hmm. And he showed them, us, yeah. how and, we can live with him. And that right there shows the master deception of the enemy in that he has this way of being able to make us think for some strange reason that the direction we're going leads to life. You know, it's almost like walking into the desert, and he's convinced us that, you, you know, when you walk this direction in the desert, man, you're going to have a great tan when you come out the yeah. other end. Yeah, yeah. despite the fact that before you even get to the other end, you're going to die of starvation and lack of water. Yeah. You know, and Jesus is saying, look, turn away from this. I know what he's trying to feed you. Don't buy it because it might look good right now, but you get halfway into that, and then it's going to be like, how am I ever going to get out of here now? And you're going to think all hope is lost. You turn before you even get into that desert, or even if you're part way in. God has a way of putting an oasis yeah. wherever it is that you are. And so you choose to turn away from that stuff and go his direction. Trust us. We've been there. We are both, between the two of us, we have almost a century of walking with God. That is scary. Um, (laughs) But actually, that's wonderful. Um, But you're you're hearing 100 years worth of experience right here. You will not be sorry. Yeah, exactly. If you choose him. Exactly. Do you want life? Mm -hmm. I tell you what, how you can get it. Allow God to show you those areas where you need to be transformed. He will transform you. Just ask him to do it. Mm-hmm. That is what repentance is. Second right. Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Do you want that new clothing mm-hmm. that we saw in Luke's gospel? Do you want to become that new wine mm-hmm. that he's wrote about? It will happen if you would certainly, if you would just come to the point of saying, Lord. I'm not only saying I'm sorry because I agree of what, with you of what I've done is wrong, but I want to change. I want to turn from it. I want you to turn me from it and to give me that brand new life. Mm-hmm. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my life. Save me. Cleanse me. Make me that new person that you want me to be. And I can guarantee you right here now, he will do it mm-hmm. because he promised. Faithful is he who right. promised, he will do it. I'm Pastor Harold Noyes, pastor of the Community Christian Church, 
And we normally have morning worship on Sunday mornings at 9.30. We're hoping to get started. Um, I'm hoping to get started this, this week, but we got to wait and see how things are going. But, you know, when we do get started, we have morning worship at 9.30. We have evening worship at 6. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting. Um, that, that is on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont. Everyone is welcome. We'd love to see you. Love to be able to spend some time with you. Um, love to be able to rejoice with you and sing God's hymns with you and give God praise with you. So come on out and visit. If you're in the uh, Athens area, get in contact with you, with us. We'll let you know when, when opening is going to be. Tim? Yep. And when our church services resume, we're at uh, the old St. Luke's Episcopal Building on Main Street in Charlestown, 178 to, or excuse me, 176 to 188 Main Street. And uh, But you can still tune into our services every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock on uh, Facebook. Um, now, I know you're also on, your services are on Fact TV at what time? 8.30. 8.30 on Facebook. Yep. And then you're on, uh, what are the times for your... Um, that you guys are on Fact TV, do you know? I don't know what time that. that okay, is. check the local listings. Check the local listings <laughs> for, for Fact uh, TV. I, for have, Fact I TV. haven't checked them lately. So. Um, and I know, like Life on Main, we just started airing our services on Fact. Uh, we're at uh, nine o'clock on Tuesday evenings, also nine o'clock Sunday mornings, uh, so you can tune in there. Uh, but again, if God spoke to your heart today. Um, about what we've shared, and you made that decision to follow Christ. We want to celebrate with you. We're not going to look to you for any money or anything of that nature. We just want to celebrate with you and get some tools into your hands. If you just go over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Heartline Ministries, uh, leave us a message just stating, hey, I accepted Christ. Uh, and what we will do is we'll uh, get in contact with you via uh, Messenger and just to get an address from you where we can send you some materials. Um, we have a great little booklet called In Pursuit of Jesus mm -hmm. that we would love to send to you. It is an outstanding little, just a little paperback. But uh, if you really want to pursue Jesus, it's mm -hmm. a great book to get started with. Yeah, and again, with no strings attached. And, uh, but we do thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can find us also, um, you obviously find us on Fact TV. Uh, at numerous different times. Uh, you can also find us on their website at fact8.com. Uh, as I said, our Facebook page is uh, um, facebook.com slash Heartline Ministries. And if visual, you don't have time for being able to tune into the videos for this length of time, but you want to pull in audio, we're on um, 17 different podcasts. We just added yeah. iHeartRadio wow, this past wow, week, yep. um, as well as we're on Castro. Uh, is another one that has been added. We're still working on Pandora, uh, waiting for them, um, but hoping to have it on there very shortly. So uh, if you do uh, listen to podcasts and you cannot find Heartline Ministries, again, do us a favor, go to facebook.com slash Heartline Ministries, leave us a message of what podcast provider you use, and we'll be sure to try to get it on there. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Heartline Ministries.